Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia, one of the pastors in the care department here at Northview. I'm normally joined by Crystal, but she just got back from holidays, and so she is swamped with emails, and so I dragged Paul down here. Hey, good to be back. (laughs) He is one of our pastors in the care department as well. Bonus people. Do you know the room that we're in? Have we ever talked? Have you guys ever talked about it? Not for a while. You can talk about it. Have you talked about the beautiful tablecloth? Oh, it is gorgeous. We say that totally sarcastically. I don't know what... If if this would be like a 1970s, yeah, um, plaid, like plaid, orange and green, yeah, it's thing. terrible. Yeah, it's a beaut. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul and I are here to talk about the topic of marriage and divorce. We are following up on the sermon from this past weekend. It was the last in our Modern Family series where we covered things like singleness and parenting and forgiveness and marriage and divorce. And so we're going to follow up on this topic. But what we're going to aim this at is for those listeners that are wondering, how do I walk alongside my friend or family member that's struggling in their marriage? This is a question that Paul and I get all the time. I can be at Save on Foods. I could be in the church offices. I could be somewhere. And somebody will stop me and say, my friend or my family member is really uh, wobbly in their marriage. And I have no idea what to say. I have no idea what to do. So we're going to get there. So quickly, we're going to go through just some points on the sermon so that you're caught up. If you've listened to it, great. It was on Matthew uh, Matthew 19, sorry, starting in verse 3. So Paul's going to read that for us, and then we're going to talk through a few points on that before we get into the practical walking alongside family and friends. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So here we are, Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse three. We'll kind of walk through this. I'll pause at a couple points and talk about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, hopefully it won't take too long. Okay. I don't want to be too wordy. We want to be practical. So we'll do the follow up on the uh, theoretical, no, theological part quick. Okay. Here we go. Mm -hmm. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife? For any cause. So there was this one school of thought in back in their day that was a very liberal theological school that said, yeah, you could get divorced uh, for any reason. So if your wife comes home and uh, you aren't happy with the way she looks that day, well, guess what? You can trade her in for a new model. Or if you're, um, and it was basically just that way. The, the wife really had no right to divorce. It was only the husband who had the right to do that. Yeah. It, it was a very... Um, male-dominated kind of society. So, not like what we have today. So, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning was made, or made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh." What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So Jesus takes them all the way back to the beginning. He doesn't take them back to the time of Moses. He takes them time all the way back to the garden, to the beginning, to To Adam's design. Exactly. To the time of Adam and Eve. And the fact is when you when you look at that text of Adam and Eve getting together, you see them get uh, married Mm -hmm. and Adam sings over his wife and the two are joined together and they're to be one flesh. And this is supposed to last for the rest of their lives. Yes. And so Jesus is using that case here. He's saying, look, from the beginning, marriage is meant to last for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Till death do us part. Yeah. 
as everybody says in their vows. That's right. So continuing on, um, verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of, of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. It wasn't a command. No. You didn't have to divorce, but there was this concession because God knew their hearts would be hard. Mm-hmm. He gave them this concession. And then he says, uh, but, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple come up to me after one of the services and disagree with this passage, disagree with what Jeff said. They said that there is no reason for divorce ever and no reason for remarriage ever. Hmm. But we see in here that there is a clear allowance for divorce in certain circumstances. Right. And so what is sexual immorality? It says you can be divorced because of sexual immorality. It's allowed. It's mm-hmm. not required because yeah. we know that divorce causes so much pain and difficulty mm-hmm. that some people would rather do the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation and yeah. cleaning up the muck of adultery yeah. rather than get divorced. Yeah. And if they're both willing to do that, that is way better for them and for their kids and for their legacy and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right. But sometimes that doesn't work because both parties aren't willing to work at it. Yeah. And so adultery is an allowance for divorce. Yeah. But people look at this and they go, what is sexual immorality? Right. So sexual immorality is obviously the English word that we translate from the Greek. The Greek word is porneia. And there's different forms of porneia depending on the tense and all that kind of thing. But the base uh, word that we're talking about is porneia. And that's exactly the, the word in this text. Yeah. And that word essentially is... Uh, I've heard other pastors say it. This is a junk drawer term for sexual sin. Yes. Okay. So if you are having sexual contact with anybody outside of your marriage, uh, that is sin and that is worthy or uh, uh, that is the allowance given here for divorce. Okay. So let me pause for a second. Mm -hmm. Some people need to hear this a little explicitly. So sorry to use the terms, but illegal sexual contact according to the Bible, which includes intercourse, oral sex. Yeah. Like if any of that, yeah, any of that, that that's right. Mm -hmm. It's outside of your marriage is not, Okay, it right. is sexually immoral. Exactly. It, that's the word porneia. Yeah. So porneia, we think of the word pornography, but pornography itself, computer use, cell phone use, yeah. is not actually sexual contact. Right. It is visual images. So we don't want to be too quick. We, we don't allow divorce for pornography. Mm-hmm. But it's sinful. So what do we do with that, Paul? If it, pornography is absolutely sinful, absolutely wrong, totally hurts marriages, what do we do about that? Yeah, so you've got uh, something where we are dealing with issues in our heart when we're talking about all of these things, because uh, all of our actions, our words flow out of what's going on in our heart. So when we look at this, uh, this idea of pornography and watching pornography, it is us acting out on the lusts of our heart. Yeah. And so we're to be putting our, our sin to death. We're supposed to be mm-hmm. not living according to the flesh. Uh, Galatians 5 goes through this big list of sins according to the flesh. Yeah. And um, sexual immorality is in that list. And, and lust is in that list. And so yeah. we are to be putting our lust to death yeah. um, as Christians. And yes. as we're 
instead of acting on our lust, we're to be putting it to death. So um, watching pornography would be part of acting on your lust. Yeah. And now this this isn't um, unlawful or sexual contact with anybody outside of marriage. No. So what do we do then? Right. So I know what this I would has say. to be dealt with. Yes. Right. So and the the whoever's watching it, whether it's the husband or the wife, they need to be in repentance of this. Yeah. And they need to be confronted about it if they yeah. haven't been. So we'd say Matthew 18. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Talk to your spouse if it's a husband or wife that's involved in pornography. Yeah. Um, then get a couple of other people involved if they don't listen, if they don't repent. And then come to the care department, which is bringing it to the church. Yep. And we talk with them. Mm-hmm. But it's not an allowance immediately for divorce. Right. Eventually, if someone will not repent of their sin, that's something different that we have to work through as a team here right. at church. Yeah. But n- not immediately. But adultery... Like having sex with someone outside of your marriage other than your spouse, whether it's someone of the same sex or opposite sex, it's adultery. That is an allowance for divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, looking at, at pornography isn't um, that, that contact like we talked about. So no. While it's sinful, definitely, and there. And a, a continued use of it over a length of time and unrepentant heart. And uh, that would have to be dealt with, like you said, on a, on a church discipline level. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can come and talk to us more about that if you have particular issues or tangles or struggles with that particular thing. We're going to move on to talk to our listeners who are wondering how do they walk alongside their family members or friends that are struggling in their marriage, whether there's a pornography issue, whether there's been adultery or cheating, whether somebody has, um, is just neglectful, not available, emotionally not into their marriage, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I call that a dud marriage, actually, by the way. (laughs) Um, What do we do with our friends? Okay, Paul, so what are we going to do? Well, okay, let me outline quickly what normally happens is I'll be somewhere and a wife will come up to me and say, we have really good friends and their marriage is falling apart. And the husband has come to talk with us and he poured out his tale of woe and we really feel bad for him. And now I'm really angry at his wife who's been our friend for years and I don't know what to do. Mm. So what I usually say is it would be great if you as the wife would talk to the sinning wife supposedly and invite her to go for coffee or go for a walk sure, and hear her side of the story. Mm-hmm. Listen to her, hear her perspective, offer that because you've listened to the husband. But the problem is that sometimes with the first person we listen to, we take their side because it sounds right and good. And we forget that there's a second side. Yeah. Proverbs 18, 17 says um, essentially that kind of thing where it says you have to listen to one side and then the other. I'm going to see if I can find it quickly for you here as I flip the pages and you can hear me. Here it says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Mm. And we see this in our offices upstairs all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul will meet with the husband and hear the story. And then I'll meet with the wife and we're like, oh, (laughs) that actually changes things. So with your friends, really try to meet with both parties, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk a little bit about what does it look like to listen to them. Of course. Uh, when we sit together with our friends and, and they're pouring out their hearts to us, um, or like 
Thalia just mentioned, if you're talking to the person who is committing the adultery, so not the victim in this relationship, but actually the, the perpetrator, if you want to give it that or that title, um, is to sit and, and listen. Yeah. Not like, mutely. No. Like you have, like a lot of people have said before, you have two ears and one mouth and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. Yeah. You should be listening more than you're talking. Yeah. And that definitely goes, uh, that is definitely the case when we're dealing with our friends who are having major life issues. Yeah. Because so. listening is an active process. Mm-hmm. For me upstairs, if I meet with someone for an hour, I'll often let them spew and vent and talk just a mile a minute for like a long time. Mm-hmm. It might be a half hour, 40 minutes where they just talk. And I sit there and go, that's hard. That's awful. Yep. That's difficult. Oh, I'm so sorry. And over and over again, just listening. How long has this been going on? What are you feeling about that? How do your kids feel about that? What's good questions? Listening, listening, listening. Because they don't want to listen to me until I've fully heard them and they feel fully heard and fully understood. Yeah. And that might be several meetings if it's your friend, several walks, several coffees where you really try to understand what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Like with compassion and kindness yeah. and respect and because we are often too quick to jump in with our solutions and our advice and our like, well, you need to talk to so-and-so. You need to do this and you should have done that. And why didn't you think of that? No, they need to hear you or they need to be heard is what I mean. Yeah. And our culture, our culture is very um, putting stuff in, like we're, we're surrounded by noise. We're surrounded yeah. by things being you know pushed in our face at a rapid pace. You know, the fast food culture, the the social media culture where you just read a headline or you mm-hmm. just read a quick status update and everything goes very rapidly. But we need to slow down yeah. when we're talking with people and or when we're listening to them and just sit and listen yeah. and allow them to go on and talk yeah. fast and say whatever they need to say. Because a lot of people, you know, as soon as somebody starts talking about the situation in their relationship, people are going to start offering advice like right off the yes. bat. Yeah. Like, Within well, you five stop minutes. Doing that. Yeah. Like, or they give them a quick Bible verse, you know, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Yeah. Right. And, and well, they know that, but they're still doing it for some reason. And so we need to slow down and let them talk and actually listen to them because they aren't getting that in a lot, in very many places. Yeah. They're instead being bombarded with, uh, advice and tips and, uh, judgment. Yes. So Quick, if we condemning back, judgment. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So if we sit back and have good ears on and listen well, yeah. then we actually win their ears. Yes, absolutely. I see that over and over again. The other thing I see with uh, women particularly is that sometimes we are in relationship with our friends and we see that they're not doing very well. And they'll give us an excuse. They'll say, well, my teenage kids are hard to work with. Okay, that can be true. And they might say, well, I'm dealing with aging parents and that's a big challenge. Okay, that's true. But if you keep watching them and you keep asking them, sometimes you have the suspicion that there's something going on below the surface. So you might continue asking, how are you really doing? What's really going on? Taking time again to listen and hear their perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I've done this in a few relationships and something has really leaked out where they are not in a good relationship with their husband and they are um, getting together with an old boyfriend on Facebook or they're texting Mm -hmm. someone they shouldn't be texting Mm -hmm. or uh, all things are happening that will eventually come out because they know that you're willing to listen over time, that you're not judgmental, you're not giving quick solutions 
friends, but you're really caring about your friend by listening to them. Mm. Now you've got muck and now you need to do the hard work of listening more and trying to understand their perspective at first for a long time before we Mm -hmm. jump in with our solutions. Yeah, exactly. And, um, to be to be that person that listens is just a, an absolutely critical thing. Yeah, to be there for them in that way and to be able to talk with them. Um, and when sometimes we have family members yeah. and friends who we know are doing something that is unbiblical. So if you're if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian a long time and you have family members that have that are doing something that you know, right? You know somebody is sleeping around with their boyfriend or you know somebody is just going out and having casual sex Mm -hmm. when they want meeting somebody at the bar and hooking Mm -hmm. up and things like this the the answer is not to just cut them off no no so hear that again the the answer is not to reject them and just cut them off no don't abandon them don't reject them don't cut them out of your life yeah. we are quick to do that at Northview yeah when people are not doing what we want them to do we are quick to cut them out mm-hmm. instead we still need to find ways to care for them and support them like text on their birthdays yeah taking them out for coffee sending flowers or bringing cookies or whatever it is in the guy world yeah. that's a girl world is we still need to yeah. show that we know that there's muck going on. We know that they're not doing everything right or that things are falling apart, but we're still, we're still not rejecting them. Yeah. Now you may have to cool off your friendship. Like I have a few friends who've left their marriages and are living with boyfriends mm-hmm. and I can't be the deep friends I was before. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still kind and polite if I run, run into them in the, in the area, but, um, which hurts by the way, mm-hmm. but I can't be their deep friends as I was before, but I'm not rejecting them or abandoning them. I'm still kind. I'm still polite. I still do like five or 10 minutes of chat. La la la. I think that's important. People need to know that we're still here. Yeah. No, it's exactly. Um, I think a lot of people, I think where this idea of cutting them off comes from is a misapplication mm, of a point. certain piece of scripture, which is actually a piece of scripture that comes right before this teaching on divorce, which is in Matthew 18. Yeah. When Jesus talks about if your brother sins against you, uh, and he talks about how that's to be dealt. You go to him or her first alone. If they won't listen, you bring two or three others with you. And then if they still don't listen, then you take it to the church. And yeah. then he says to them, or he says at that point in verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Yeah. So a lot of people take that to mean, oh, that means like he is rejected. He is put out. But if you actually think about what happened with Jesus and Gentiles and tax collectors, he didn't avoid them. No. He didn't stay away from them. No. The whole purpose of church discipline is to actually bring them back into proper relationship with the church and with Christ. Yes. So if you're dealing with somebody who calls himself a Christian and is caught in a pattern of unrepentant sin and you go through this process. Yeah. And even if they don't listen all the way to going to the elders and they even get their membership removed, that doesn't mean you stop talking to them. No. That means that they actually need to hear the gospel from you. Yeah. Which means what? People don't understand always what hearing the gospel from you means. So they need to hear from you and and understand what God's grace is 
and that God's grace doesn't give permission to sin, but offers forgiveness for it. Mm-hmm. And so they need to hear that if they repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ, that they will be forgiven and they will be saved. Yeah. Please come back. Please come back. So, and don't assume that people understand that just because they grew up in the church, because it, depending where they grew up or what kind of family they had, they might have a totally messed up understanding of what that means. That's right. So our job as Christians is to retain those relationships. Mm-hmm. Thalia said, like, you might have to distance a little bit. You mm-hmm. might have to put a little more space in if it's not if it's not a healthy situation. But for the most part, retain that friendship, still have your coffee with that person once in a while, and talk to them about God's grace for them that is available to them. And tell them they are very, very welcome to be in church, whether it's Northview or a different church. So welcome to attend, because that's where they can hear the truth of who God is and how he's working in their life. Now, in Northview, we have a distinction between everyone is welcome to attend, Mm -hmm. but if you are actively sinning, and cheerfully enjoying your sin, then you cannot serve. Right. So you can't be a kids ministry coach on the weekends. You can't be on the worship team. You yep. can't be a tech or an usher or whatever. Mm-hmm. But everyone is welcome to attend. And I really encourage people, you know, despite the muck, come mm-hmm. and attend, please. Yep. And we also would encourage people, including ourselves, to pray for your friends who are in wobbly marriages. Pray Second Timothy 2, starting at 22, if you read that passage. Uh, Towards the end, it says, we want to pray that God would grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Mm. And we want them to come to their senses, which is God's job. God can bring them to their senses, and the person themselves can, but we have to remember that we cannot change their lives. So a lot of women I meet, they plead, they talk with their friend, they pray for their friend, they meet with them for coffee, and the friend doesn't listen. So then they cut them out of their life. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have to keep praying that God would do his work and bring them to repentance. It's not my responsibility. I'm not their savior. I can't do it. I can't can't do enough to make them come to their senses. That's God's job. That's very hard for people because then, you know, what do they do then? Right. And when when we're in those situations, uh, something that's good for us to remember is Going back to Galatians 5 again, you get to, after all of that talk about, you know, all the things that are the works of the flesh, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. which I'm sure many of you could recite that verse <laughs> if you want to sing it. Right. You could go. Yeah. Love, the, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. <laughs> gentleness and self-control. self-control. <laughs> all right. Good enough. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not going to be a, yeah. cutting a CD anytime soon. No, probably not. Uh, but when we're, when we're listening to people, when we're helping them, when we're talking with them, we need to remember all these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. There's things in there, patience yeah, and kindness yep. and gentleness, yep. right? These are things like this isn't just for the person who's cheating on their spouse. This is for us, too, who yeah. are trying to listen to them. Like we need to have patience for them. Yeah patience in their work of if they're trying maybe they're somebody who is absolutely sorry for what they've done but they they are continually falling back into their sin we need to have patience with them and we need to have kindness towards them yes and gentleness yes my favorite reference to that exact same thing is colossians 3 tells all kinds of things we have to put off and then it says we have Mm -hmm. to put on as god's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility Meekness and patience, same as what you said, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. 
as the Lord has forgiven us. Exactly. And so we need to grow that. As we listen, we need to pray that God will grow in us compassion and kindness and patience, that we will bear with one another because they may not come to their senses that day, but maybe the next week, maybe the next month or year, like we yeah. need to hang in there with people listening, pleading with them to come to their senses in front of God and with them exactly. and, and then leave it in God's hands. Yeah. So if you're being crippled and you can't sleep at night and you're just going around and around in your head, you need to give that to God because it's, you're not their savior. No, God is. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. uh, when we lived in Squamish, we had a friend who was part of an abusive marriage and, uh, she was coming to our church and she would come with her kids and her, her, her husband would never show up. And Carla and her became friends and started talking and she started bringing her kids over for a visit. And then all of a sudden we notice her show up with bruises mm. and uh, we'd start hearing about a little more about what's going on at home and stuff that her husband was involved in. I mean, he was he was involved in organized crime and he was involved in all sorts of all sorts of bad stuff, drugs. Um, it was awful. And so for us uh, at that time, it was the first time we had ever really talked with anybody that had this level of issues going on in their lives. And it was for, for a while there, it was all Carla and I would even talk about. I know. And that's just not a healthy thing. No. Right. To, to invest yourself so deeply into it. You've got to remember this isn't your life. No. This is somebody else's life. And you aren't, like Thalia said, you aren't the savior. No. Jesus is the only savior. Yes. And it's going to take him to work in that marriage. If it's going to get restored, he's going to have to do a miracle. Yes. And uh, even for the for the lady to leave, it's going to take his work, his conviction on her. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit's work there in order to make her actually realize what she needs to do. Absolutely. And, and then, so it took time. It took months. But oh, yeah. Uh, eventually she did. She called the police and uh, left. Uh, which we praise God for. Absolutely. And part of that not being their savior is asking them who is their support. So do they have good Christian friends or do they have supportive family members? Do yeah. they have pastors or elders they're talking to? Who is their support? Mm -hmm. If they have none, which we encounter frequently, is trying to build that up. Can you join a small group, a women's Bible study? Can you get connected with a neighbor or a friend that pray with on the phone? Like, how can you help people to develop a bigger support system than just you? Because you can't do their life for them. You can't make their choices. So they have to actually work at changing their life if they want that. Yeah. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What other things would we say about walking with couples who are in a wobbly or a very struggling marriage? Yeah, it would be if they're so sometimes you get people that are struggling in their marriages, not because of adultery, not because of um, any grievous sin, but it's just been this slow pattern yeah. that has built up over time where they maybe haven't dealt with um, their their fights properly. Yeah. Right. Sometimes people fight. Yeah. And then they have time of silence and then they never address it again. Yes. And then scorekeeping starts. Yes. Right? And the, the wife starts keeping score about certain things, and the husband starts keeping score about other things, and then yeah. all of a sudden, they're not sleeping together, and she's yeah. withholding sex for whatever reason, yeah. or he is just purposely staying at work for longer hours because yeah. he just doesn't even want to deal with it anymore. Yep. And so they just start, you know, when people say they just grew apart, well, yeah. there's a reason that 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 happened yeah and that was because they weren't dealing with the issues yeah that were taking place so 
if you notice that in friends of yours or family members, yeah. um, call whether whether you're closer with the wife or the husband, or if you're a couple that's close with that mm-hmm. other couple, call them and, and just openly talk to them about. So, mm-hmm. how's your marriage doing? Yeah. And don't be scared to bring up deep things. Yeah. Like this is what good friends do. Yes. We bring up big issues in life mm-hmm. and we talk about it with each other and we try to encourage each other. Yeah. And don't just accept the surface reason. Oh, we're busy. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, okay. Maybe the first day you accept that reason. But over time you keep asking as right. they would hopefully then keep asking you because we really need help to kind of kick each other's butts in a gentle, yep. kind way mm-hmm. so that we keep, you know, for life, that we have great marriages, not just blah, ho-hum marriages. Yeah, exactly. There's so many marriages that are having difficulty, I think, because people don't, spouses don't come back together and don't actually confess their sin to each other. And they don't forgive each other. Yes. Like, and when I say that, they might say they forgive them, like in their mind or something, but they've never actually verbalized it. Yeah. And I've seen so many people that have said that, and which just which surprises me. I, almost every time, I'm like, really? Like, you guys have been together how many years? 20 years? And, and you've never sat down and talked after a fight about what you said and apologized for it and asked for mm-hmm. forgiveness. You've never actually. But yeah, that's the case in a lot of situations. Yeah. And a lot of marriages are not making time for each other. Mm-hmm. They're not enjoying each other. They don't have anything that they like to do in common. And they kind of just drift and go their own ways. Yeah. I'd really encourage you to find things that bring you together. Fun things, interesting things, just even things you can talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage needs to be a priority. And if mm-hmm. it's a priority, we need to spend time working on it. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. But no, no. But it is worth it. Mm-hmm. It is really worth it. Definitely. And we're heading into 25 years, Paul. And it's like, wow. Like, Yeah, Carla and I, better. Are, we're almost at 20. Okay. This year. Yeah. So, so we have yeah, a little bit of experience great. between us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Well, why don't we close in prayer? Do you want to pray for our listeners? Sure. So, Father, we thank you for uh, our church. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Jeff's message this weekend and your word, that you show us in your word what it means to be married and what are the uh, actual reasons that we can get divorced. We thank you that you give us clarity on these things. Mm -hmm. And your word is plain and clear. So, Lord, we thank you for how you've revealed yourself. And we pray that you would work on our marriages in our church. I pray, Lord, that for those listening today that are in struggling marriages, that they would seek out help, whether that would be from us here or a community group leader or uh, another pastor they know. Lord, I just pray that they would really look for a good friend, somebody who can sit and listen to them and that they can start working on healing whatever is sick in their marriage. So I pray pray for that, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch a lot of hearts and minds um, through this today, that you would reach into there and and, uh, lead people to more repentance in their marriages and in their lives and where they're continuing on in um, habitual sin. Yeah. So I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us.